For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, welcome into the latest episode of Floors Yours here on the Five Reasons Sports Network, the Five Reasons YouTube channel, an extension of Five on the Floor. We are sponsored by Biscayne Bay Brewing. Check out BiscayneBayBrew.com for all of your beer needs. They're the official beer sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, also of Miami Marlins, and, of course, of Inter-Miami. Check out the, uh, the IPA, the Tropical Bay IPA, the Marlins Lager, um, and more. So go to BiscayneBayBrewing.com and find out where you can get it in your area. We're going to be taking questions tonight. Uh, no Greg Sylvander. Alf and Alex are no shows so far. So I, I reeled in Brady Hawk. I needed someone who was younger than Tyler Hero. Uh, we've got our own boy wonder um, who has nailed just about everything. What did you have as, uh, as the score of the last game? What, what, what did you say? I just said heat by three, and then it was 112-109. <laughs> <laughs> So who needs Alex and Alf? All right, so what? 112-109, the Heat are up 3-1 in the series, of course. Uh, but this is going to be all about your questions tonight. We, we want to get to them uh, as the Heat try to close this thing out in five, uh, playing Friday night. Um, and then, obviously, if necessary, they'll play on Sunday. The Lakers, of course, play tonight. And so we'll get a better sense of where that series is. Uh, I almost feel like the Nuggets want to be down 3-1 in the series. Uh, because that's where they've played their best. But uh, I wouldn't be stunned if they steal game four here tonight. But let's get into some of the topics that, that we've been touching on um, on five on the floor, but maybe haven't expanded on uh, all that much. Um, one, one guy that I don't think we touched on all that much on five on the floor last night was Andre Iguodala, uh, who I, his minutes in the fourth quarter after not being expected to play at all, uh, you know, at times I had heard, you know, he, he might be a no, sh- a no show for the game because he's been dealing with a back injury and some other, uh, some other ailments. He ends up playing the entire fourth quarter instead of Jay Crowder. Um, it does seem like it's an either or proposition there at the end of games. And I, I thought he was excellent uh, facilitating, but also obviously uh, defending multiple positions. Um, I mean, he's been completely invaluable to them. Yeah. The one play that stuck out um, was that Goran Dragic uh, corner three which was only all set up by him because he got the ball in the paint and he threw a quick pass, no look, basically passed the corner for that Goron three, which ended up icing that game um, when you look back at it, basically. But the way his, we kind of talked about his quick hands on the defensive side, um, two, three on that zone up there with Jimmy was working really well. Um, he's just a guy that they're going to go to, especially they were going to go to him over Crowder when Crowder was not having the best game. Um, that's just definitely the way they're going to go. Um, but he was sitting on that sideline a lot of the time. It didn't look like he was going to enter when he had the, the ice around him and everything. So, uh, but he came in and he played well, and he was a big contribution for that win. Uh, we got a first question that came in. Is Bam okay? Uh, Eric Spolstra said he would play in the next game, that he should be fine, um, and he'll be able to be out there uh, in game five. Uh, so this comes in, Iggy is Jack Dudes built like Joey Porter. Yeah, he didn't lose any of his muscle definition in those eight months away. So that was uh, – uh, he came back in pretty damn good shape. But, yeah, I, Bam is fine. Um, he's going to play. And I, I guess the only question there with Bam becomes, you know, do you want to continue to go single big? 
um, which is which is what they've done. It not just single big on the court at a time, but single big playing at all. Uh, no Kelly Olynyk in the last game. I kind of called Jay Crowder the de facto center when they went without Bam. I don't know who's playing center there. I don't even think it matters if you're playing against Grant Williams necessarily. Um, but do you think this is an effective way to go to be putting that kind of burden on Bam and not playing Kelly at all? I think it's going to be a situational thing again. Um, I think you can do it and get away with it if you put in Derek Jones Jr. versus Solomon Hill. Um, that was kind of a surprise for them to go that way instead of the Derek Jones Jr. route. Um, I was kind of expecting less Kelly Olenek minutes after those those rough games he had. Um, but the BAM injury kind of changes everything. I think we might see Kelly Olenek minutes now that the BAM thing happened. Um, people have been talking about Myers possibly getting in there, but ultimately they're going to go to Kelly. Um, if, he, if anybody's getting minutes um, as backup big, they're going to go to Kelly Olenek. Um, but I think the, the way that they kind of cut the rotation down in that game, they're going to expand it um, in game five and they're going to go deeper and then if that Boston wins game five, I think they, they cut it back down. Comes in uh, from S. Cooper. Why the networks all sound like Fox News defending Trump like they defend Boston? It, it is uh, – I turned it off today pretty quickly. I had other things to do anyway. But I knew there would be some Tyler Hero talk, but then the conversation would quickly shift to the Celtics and what they've done wrong. And I don't really understand why this debate always has to be framed that way. Uh, it feels to me like ESPN in particular, but Fox Sports, which I don't watch much, but they'll it's, – it's, it's all about what the team that they're expecting to go somewhere doesn't do instead of what another team does do. And I feel like we've gotten to the point with the Heat, with the way that they manhandled Indiana. I understand the Pacers were shorthanded, but they had no trouble with them. They beat the presumptive you know, champion for most of the year – with the two-time reigning MVP. They're up 3-1 on Boston. I understand that the teams are tied in terms of total points, but they've done, they made the plays that have mattered in three of the four games to get the victories, and they nearly pulled out the other one. I, I don't really get at this point like why it can't be about the Heat. Um, it, <laughs> it, it feels to me like, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's, I don't want to be because I, I don't come from a fan perspective. I come from a journalist perspective, but... I can see it enough because I'm kind of embedded now with Heat Twitter and, and conversing all day. I think the feeling aggrieved, I think, is legitimate. Like, what does this team have to do to earn some praise? It seems like they always try to find, like, the something wrong with the other team that they play. Like, now the scapegoat is Kemba Walker. Um, he's the guy that they're just attacking enough, saying if he doesn't – the reason that they're winning is because he's not playing well and he has to play well in the win. Um, they did that in every series, basically. They blamed it on the injuries in the Indiana series. Um, they blamed it on Giannis not playing in the, in the Milwaukee series towards the end. Uh, that's just what's going to happen, and ultimately that's what Miami likes. They like to play as that underdog. They like to be a team that's not favored. They'd rather you know, just listen when they get asked questions in those po- uh, press conferences. They kind of like uh, hearing that stuff. They'd rather the people just continue to talk about these other teams, what they're doing wrong, and they could just keep going and keep doing what they're doing. Um, especially Jimmy Butler. Uh, I think he's going to continue just to just get his guys in the locker room together and not worry about any of the other stuff, what any other team is doing wrong. And they're just going to continue the same game plan that they have all all postseason. Well, that's what we've talked about with Jimmy. He's not a front runner. Uh, He doesn't play well in that role. He plays well when people are questioning. Sean Rochester comes in. Cooper Moorhead said the small line, it was minus five. Do we use it again? Actually, if you dig even deeper into that, the small lineups have not been good in the postseason. Um, they've pretty much gotten hammered when they've taken all the bigs off the floor. Eric knows the numbers. I, I know 
that Eric is not a slave to numbers. I remember many conversations I had with him about certain circumstances, such as he actually told me, I think after the 2013 finals, that if he had listened to the analytics, he never would have played LeBron and Dwayne together because they really struggled as a duo uh, late in that season. They just, they were not, because Dwayne was not explosive at that point. He was dealing with the knee. And so having the two of them out there as, as you know, to a certain degree, non-shooters um, and, you know, need both needing the ball at the top, but Dwayne really not being able to blow by anybody at that stage uh, was problematic. And he said, but, you know, sometimes you trust the players. And the other one, he always used this example, was Udonis Haslam, where if you remember the Indiana series where he had two eight of nine games, and he said if he had followed the analytics, he would not have played Udonis Haslam at all. And Udonis went eight of nine. So uh, Eric will see the numbers in the small lineup, but if he has a gut feeling about them, uh, you know, he'll go against the, what the numbers say. Now, I do think it's interesting that Eric Spolstra has pretty much mimicked the fans during the playoffs. Like, we could see Kendrick Nunn was not working out, and eventually he lowered his minutes and got him out there. You could see that Myers Leonard didn't really fit. He lowered his minutes and got him out of there. Um, and then Olinick was the other one we talked about, and he lowered his minutes and eventually got him out of there. Um, so he sees this stuff. But I'll, I'll ask you, Brad. I mean, the small lineups, you're not going to be able to use small lineups in the next series, right, against either no. team. If you get to the next series, I don't even know that there's a place for it in this series anymore. They, Like I mentioned before, they actually play a lot better when they go big. Um, when they run the BAM and Olympic minutes together, they they played good all season. Um, and they, they went through a quick stint um, early in the series with BAM and Olympic in. Um, and it was just that game when Olympic was off. There was many times in that game when BAM would get a post up on Kemba Walker. Um, and he'd end up, they'd double team and he'd kick it to the corner to a wide open Kelly Olenek and he'd miss it. Um, and that was only like a three minute stretch that they got in together. And I think that that's a lineup they can go to, as I've talked about, they can take advantage of, of certain mismatches um, as long as Kelly Olenek's hitting. Um, that's just the key. But you'd mentioned the small lineup against a team like the Lakers or something in the finals. I said, I think that if there's any time that they could utilize Myers Leonard, because Spolster's talked about kind of waiting to use guys. I think he could get some run in that series with with some of those big guys that they have, and just just for short short stretches. Um, I don't think it's going to be a big role, but I think that there's a chance that he can see the court a little bit in that series. Well, I, especially if Anthony Davis insists on playing the four, then then you know because that's where he wants to be. And if he insists on playing the four, then yeah, I mean you're going to have to play Olenek or Myers Leonard uh, in there to match up. And not that McGee is anything more than a role threat and a dive threat at this point, or Dwight Howard for that matter. But you're not going to be posting up Dwight at this stage. I mean, you didn't want to post up Dwight 10 years ago necessarily. So I, I, I do think, though, you're right. I think that one of those guys could be seen. I think Kendrick Nunn can be seen in that series if he can get his act together a little bit because you have some small guards on that team. And, and I think that you – and they're not particularly explosive guards, whether it's Rondo or KCP, et cetera, and Caruso. And you probably could play Kendrick Nunn against some of those guys and give Goran a little bit of a breather. It's not uh, as much of a worry defensively. Um, him, there's not too many explosive guards that he's going to have to worry about guarding uh, KCP or Rondo. I don't think that's a big deal, but he's played well against the Lakers this season. Yeah. There was some very good stretches he had. Uh, I remember the one play when he went up and dunked on JaVale McGee, and it was just like that was a turning point in that first quarter that they just got that energy. Um, I think there's a lot of things that he can attack on their, on their defense. He's going to have to attack the rim and just – not settle for threes. Um, I think that's the biggest thing with him. Again, in, if the matchup's there, 
uh, work out. He's going to have to control the mid range and just attack the rim. That would be the way that he would have to like thrive in that situation. But we keep talking about him like he's that same player. And I, I just, I don't know. Right. That's the question. I mean, I, I think some of these matchups look pretty good for him if he's the Kendrick Nunn that we saw earlier in the season, but the Kendrick Nunn, Nunn in the bubble, I don't, I don't know, you know, and that's, that's the issue. I mean, I think DJJ is another one who could be interesting uh, going forward, you know, in terms of how you play him. This comes in from Rafael Rodriguez. I do want to get to that last comment here in a second because I, I was having trouble reading it quickly. I heard rumors that Stevens may go small, Hayward on Bam. What do you think of the Celtics' plan? Well, first thing, if it is the plan, he's not going to reveal it beforehand. So I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know that it's necessarily uh, accurate, but I don't. I, it's interesting to me. Boston basically has four bigs on its roster right that are playable and I don't feel like Stevens has any handle on which ones to play in this series like the Tice matchup I'm sorry it's not a push it's not a wash uh the the Tice matchup has not gone well he's been in foul trouble in a couple of the games uh you know both Williams's give you something a little bit different he seems to only want to play one and then I, I wouldn't surprise Brady that Cantor I mean, has not gotten more run the past couple of games because I did think if you looked at exploitable matchups for Boston, he was one of them uh, that you could go to him and, and get a flurry of eight to 10 points pretty quickly because he's a very efficient scorer. Now he's garbage on defense, but I didn't think really Miami had the personnel to necessarily exploit that. Well, why do you think the Cantor hasn't been a factor? I honestly don't know. I think if there was any game that he could have got even more minutes was the last game um, with those smaller lineups they were going to. I wouldn't have been surprised if Stevens threw Canner out there to kind of take advantage of a of a Crowder matchup, just trying to take it to the rim and draw fouls and everything else. Um, I I honestly don't know why he wouldn't go with that. He went with a lot of Robert Williams minutes, like you mentioned. Um, and I don't think that – I think Canner can bring more mismatches to the C team than Robert Williams does. Um Bam, Bam's played good against Robert Williams, um, but he hasn't yeah. guarded much Canner um, all series. It's been a, when he was in, I think it was Kelly Linick was on him for, for a stretch. Um, but that, that was another time when I said about Myers Leonard. Um, if you're going to throw Myers Leonard in there in this series, it would be with those Canner minutes because mm-hmm. that's just like, a, why not throw him in there at, the, at that moment? We got Greg Sylvander joining us. You were not the one of the three I was expecting tonight. That's good to see you. Uh, throw that comment back up there. Uh, this is from Mel at Jim 91. In yesterday's video, someone said, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. We're getting carried away with this win. If we're not for hero playing out of his mind, we lose. Spo needs to adjust. Um, There's an interesting, actually, debate about that. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy said something on the broadcast yesterday that it's typically, again, the losing coach that adjusts. The winning coach Couldn't hear you. Uh, decides not to adjust. Um Leif might have to go out and come back in, actually. Manny, let him know because uh, sometimes you have that issue. But, um, yeah, usually the winning coach does not adjust. But Eric has adjusted after wins in the postseason. They've had a lot of wins, and there's still been a lot of adjustments. Uh, give, give me one adjustment you think that he could make in game five. Well, for starters, um, putting Derek Jones Jr. back into the rotation of Solomon Hill, I don't think that was a set thing. I think that was just a one-game thing, but still – that's an adjustment that they're going to need to change. Um, I think the zone is going to be used in different different ways. I don't think he's going to go to it the the same way that it's just like going to be expected because now Boston's going to prepare even more for that for that zone defense. Um, I think you got to kind of play around with it a little bit more, and I think he will. I don't think he's going to go for it in six straight possessions as we saw yesterday. Just kept on going to it. Um, 
but it definitely is a, just talking about the zone, just the way you can hide Duncan Robinson or Dragage a little bit more um, on a lot of those wings. It's easier, way easier to exploit. Um, but I think the, just that kind of the thing and the rotation would just be. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Most, the most likely thing I'd see him kind of go to. Oh, this comes in from Kai. I do feel like we're looking ahead too much. I don't want to do this too much. But how will the Heat guard Anthony Davis in the finals uh, if the Lakers make it well, th- I, again, that that's a little bit dependent on on how this Lakers would decide to start, right? If they're going to start Anthony Davis at the four, you don't really have a ton of choice. You probably do have to start Bam on him, even if you don't want to. Um, you know, I, I I'm not sure. I mean, I, you're going to play Jay on him. I mean, he's the only other person in the starting lineup who. You could throw on him, I, and you know what, what do you think, I, Leif? I feel like we got bad karma here, go, uh, switching ahead here to talk Lakers, but that we've gotten some Lakers questions. How would they guard Anthony Davis? Um, that that's interesting because I think they would try to force LA to size down, and because um, if you have Dwight and AD in there at the same time, that's going to get a little weird for Miami. I mean, maybe maybe you can hide Jay. On, on a guy like D12 for a little bit. So I feel like BAM and AD, like that is a collision course that they're not going to be able to avoid. Uh-huh. And um, so, I mean, that's really the matchup, right? Do you guys think, I mean, I, I know that in a perfect world, maybe you'd want to see BAM and how he would fare against LeBron because of his physical stature and his ability to move his feet and stay in front of him. Uh-huh. But ultimately, I think that uh, it could be a series where, I know we've seen Olenek shrink here. They just, by default, may need to go back to having Olenek be a part of that. And wouldn't, we, wouldn't we see more Crowder on LeBron than Butler early, I would think? Um, I think Crowder would match yes. up. Match up yes, him, so. unless you're using him on AD, right? He's going to guard one of them. I mean, you, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you can't throw Duncan out there on LeBron. Uh, Miami, Miami has four defenders uh, that you can put on him. He's not one of them. I do think that wanting the Lakers to size down is interesting because, again, if you, if you force them to size down, I've always felt LeBron plays better with shooters. That if you can go – yeah, I, I, sorry about that, Manny. I know it's too, too many questions on the finals. We're jinxing this whole thing. But LeBron, to me, always plays better with shooters and with smaller lineups where he's playing up. And so – but I just don't think the Lakers have the kind of shooters who worry you. That, that's the difference. I mean, Rondo's not a non-shooter. KCP has been really good, actually, and I'm not a KCP fan, but he's been on a pretty good run here for a little bit after being awful to start in the bubble. Um, you know, Caruso's an okay shooter. Danny Green was a good shooter. He's not anymore. They, they don't have a ton of – Dion's not a factor. J.R. Smith's not a factor. So they don't really have a ton of shooting. So maybe you are okay getting them to size down a little bit and play that way as opposed to having, you know, Dwight. It is, it is kind of – scary though when you, you say well you can you can hide a guy on d12 i mean this is a hall of famer but you're right you probably can't hide a guy uh on D- on dwight howard right now um so we've been taking questions tonight we'll continue to take more of them uh greg w- one thing here well let's let's jump on in this one this is from mel 
Uh, guys, two questions. What do you think happened to none in the bubble? Rookie of the year candidate in regular season now no burn. And Hero is untouchable at this point for trades, right? All right, let's these let's hit these two. Um, Kendrick Nunn has had a, a variety of things happen. It's not one thing. Um, it was coming back from COVID, which certainly derailed him a little bit in terms of working out with the team. And who knows how it affected him physically? Because people who weren't symptomatic uh, still had trouble getting their wind. Um, you know, so I think that's a possibility. He had a personal issue that he was dealing with. I haven't really followed up on it. It's not any of my business other than to know that he had a personal issue he was dealing with, and I know a little about it. Um, I do think that I was told by someone close to him, it's, it, considering what he's dealing with right now, it's amazing he's playing at all. So mm-hmm. I'll just that, – that was at the time. So that's part of it. Um, but I also think part of it is just role. Like, and I will tell you, and I haven't revealed this on five on the floor – you know, I talked to someone pretty close to a player a couple days ago who told me that when Kendrick came in for the four minutes the other night, he didn't know what they were running. Um, and, and so I don't know if that's a lack of prep in practice or it's just he's been out of – because he looks engaged on the bench. He was into it last night. Tyler Hero told us on our pod that he still spends more time with Kendrick Nunn than anybody else in the team. So he's not distancing himself. He doesn't seem envious or anything. But he apparently didn't really understand what they were running the other night. And so, I, you know, I think that's all part of it. So I, I don't know that we're going to see that guy. Uh, let me get, let you guys get to the second question here. I'll let Greg start on this. Uh, is Tyler Hero untouchable now? 100% yes. There's no pl- – I mean, well, let, let's just preface this by saying if you have the opportunity to get Steph Curry or something like that, like – then we're going to bend the rules here a little bit, but that's not really applicable. Uh, When you have a player on a rookie contract performing like this in a conference finals, a player that fits the mentality of the team that gets along with your other superstars so well, that's coachable. um, (laughs) You you don't punt on a 20 year old. That's, that's doing that kind of stuff. Um, So you're not going to trade Tyler hero. Who's performing like this for a $36 million Bradley Beal. As much as I love Bradley Beal, it just doesn't make sense. It's not a good business move. Um, so ultimately the short answer is yes, he is untouchable until further notice and every game that he plays like he did last night or even approaches that he further cements that positioning. All right. So we talk about bending the rules. What about the guy in Washington? Do you bend the rules for the guy in Washington? No, that's what I mean. A $36 million Bradley Beal? No, it doesn't make sense because of Hero's salary because that makes that big thing now. He's 20 years old and he's on a rookie contract. And your ability to build a championship roster around Jimmy Butler, uh, it hinges upon having some guys that are going to outplay their contracts. And that is something Hero's doing in a huge way. (laughs) The, the, The other part of this is you mentioned the relationship with superstars. Jimmy Butler ain't going for this. He not he not going for Boy Wonder being traded. It's not it's not happening. And that was the case before this recent run. So, I mean, just get used to it. It's it's you know if they have a big three now for a period of time, it's it's Bam, Jimmy, and Hero. And remember, you know when they did the Slam Magazine thing, the three of them did it together, right? I mean, at that point, Tyler Hero hadn't really established himself in any way, but Bam and Jimmy brought him along, right? And even Spolster said today. You know, he's like, oh, yesterday he says, we're still going to give him bleep, you know, tomorrow, give him a hard time. Um, this comes in hard to play none when you have Solomon zero, 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 but plus two in four minutes. I was hoping Solomon Hill was actually a plus three in his four minutes because then I would basically say Spolstra, check, you know, chestnut checkers, that Solomon Hill was actually the difference because he was plus three in those minutes. 
his minutes are fine. He doesn't think about Solomon Hill is he doesn't really get in the way off, you know, that's sort of the nicest thing I can say, but it's, it's true in a positive way. He doesn't hurt you with his minutes. You know, no, it is because I've said like Kendrick Nunn minutes have been the spacing issues. Um, mm-hmm. every, every, it just control, it makes everything congested down low, um, which is weird for a point guard for you to say that it messes up spacing on offense. Um, and like I mentioned, Derek Jones Jr. brings less of a spacing issue than Kendrick Nunn um, at this point. So for Solomon Hill to have more impact of the spacing on the floor than that, that's, that's just a big factor in itself. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, what you said earlier, Brady, that maybe Derek Jones Jr. gets some of those minutes uh, in this game. I wonder how experimental Spolster can be with a 3-1 lead. You know, I, I know you don't want to let the other team have any life. Now, you don't think he will be. I, well, I think with certain guys, I, I don't think, again, I don't think you're going to see Myers Leonard minutes in the next game, but I do think you could see Olenek minutes or DJJ minutes, uh, and it wouldn't seem all that, it wouldn't seem all that out of, out of sorts. Um, it says Hill's got a better 3-2K and 2K than Crowder, uh, Butler, and DJJ. Well, it's probably true about the last two. I, I think you need to update the Jay Crowder one. Although, let's talk about that. Um, there, he's had a couple games, but but Jay Crowder's come back to earth some from three, and the scouting reports out there basically that you give him those shots and and you hope that again he that he regresses to the mean, even though the mean has moved a little bit from based on what he's done. Um, I'm not calling him Jay Allen anymore. Uh, do, is I mean, is there any concern here? About, about his shooting because, I mean, his shooting, he was not supposed to be a 42, 43% three-point shooter when he came to the Heat. I mean, well, for, go ahead. Go. No, no, go ahead, Brady. Well, I was just saying, just first off, Jay Crowder, just like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, is a confident shooter. Um, I think if he gets a couple going in the next game, he's going to be fine. Um, I don't think this is anything, obviously, mechanical, um, as we've kind of been talking about different things. With confidence, he's going to he's gonna come into the next game as he did in the Milwaukee series, game one, game two of this series. He's, gonna, he's just going to do what he does no matter what, and obviously he brings it defensively. Um, but the shooting shouldn't be that much of an issue. A lot of those shots he was taking were just – they weren't even good shots, a lot of them. Um, he wasn't even getting his uh, feet set the same way he usually does. It just seemed a little off in that last game. Um, so I think there's just some things that just that, – that just doesn't seem like much of an issue. Yeah, I'm not necessarily concerned. I think that it's something to monitor, particularly because so much of what they've been successful with is predicated on some of these guys um, keeping the defense honest in ways that we didn't expect. And if Duncan Robinson is going to be um, essentially face guarded and honed in on, you need some of these other release valve players to hit threes from deep. And Jay's one of them, particularly in a Lakers series. But the other part of this is as you advance, you're playing against teams that are making adjustments um, on the fly. You're playing the best players, against, you know, the best coaches. And so when he has defensive assignments like he's had in this series or if he had to you know, guard LeBron for six or seven games, that also could impact his offense. I think ultimately um, you hope that he can just have enough to get you through here because what the heat have proven and this is an important thing is that they do not need everything to go right to get victories i honestly think that they haven't really played well in this celtic series they're up three one so um concern it's a level of concern but not something that i think necessarily is going to swing a series yet who does uh i'm gonna do what manny told me not to do who does lebron guard in in a heat lakers series jimmy 
In crunch, I would think. I would think so. it, it matters if they go with the small lineup or the big lineup, as we talked about. I think, but what what gets weird for them is that if they go small, but he, actually, even if they stay big, I don't know that they have the guards in the wings to defend Miami's players. Like, who the hell yeah. is guard Tyler Hero on that team or Dragic the way that he's played? But I mean, the, their guards. I mean, to be to be fair, I've made that case. You know, I haven't been a big Laker believer the whole year, but I, you know, I've, I, Sedano sees them every day. We talk about it. Uh, I try to make the case that, you know, they're not overwhelming to me, but their numbers defensively are really good. And and it's not just that LeBron's been a little resurgent on that end and Anthony Davis is terrific. Their guards have actually played pretty well defensively. KCP is a decent defender. Uh, Caruso, while incredibly overhyped, is a good defender. I mean, he he moves his feet. He's in position. Um, I'm not going to use the scrappy word, but he's a he's a difficult he's a difficult matchup. Um, Rondo is not the defender that he used to be, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would discount them completely, but I don't really see, I, I, it looks to me like LeBron would have to guard Jimmy. I would think. Yeah, I would think so. And I think the Avery Bradley, um, not being there is big, yeah. um, for them, but just looking at their guards, um, Duncan Robinson. And I think he would be a big factor for guarding Duncan Robinson in that series, not to go ahead even more, but, um, I think Duncan Robinson could actually have a good series against the Lakers. Yeah. Um, with too. those matchups, um, yeah, I think yeah, just I think this just the way he just their their dribble handoffs and everything I think could really work. Um, oh. Just him and Bam too. I think if the way they kind of roll out on those and go high on those pick and rolls, that Bam could actually thrive too. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how those kind of just the kind of lineups they roll with um, against the Heat. I, I think one of the reasons I say you could see the different players in Game Five. I do think Eric's been playing the long game in the postseason where he's almost thinking a series ahead. And I, I'm going to need this guy in that series. And so I can't lose that guy now. I can't lose that guy's focus. And so I do think some of the players, I, I agree that I could see them putting Caruso on here. I agree with you, Jose. Um, I think that there are certain players uh, that, like Derek Jones Jr., for instance, Myers Leonard, even Olenek, who may be of some value in a series against the Lakers or the Nuggets. I don't want to discount the Nuggets. I mean, uh, nobody should be discounting the Nuggets. I don't think the Lakers are a juggernaut. Um, let, let's look at that real quick. I, Greg's uh, internet might have gone out here. But as we close, what would a Nuggets I, – I, I mean, we've jinxed everybody in this, so let's just go ahead and do it. Um, <clears throat> what would a Nuggets matchup look like? I mean, you, Bam has to play Jokic, right? I mean, you're not, you're not starting Myers, right? You start Kelly? Yeah, I, yeah you would – those matches would be interesting with the Nuggets. Um, I think though I don't think you'd start Kelly. Um, I think you'd still go with Bam on Jokic in Game One at least, and then mm. obviously that's going to be more Spo adjustments. If he sees anything wrong, maybe roll with Kelly in Game Two. Um, but I don't know how. What would um, would you put Jimmy on on Jamal Murray? I would think. I mean, well, okay. So you're starting Dragic. I mean, they're starting Gary Harris again now, right? So they're starting they're starting Harris and Murray. They're still bringing M, uh, MPJ off the bench, right? Um, yeah, that, that's yeah. a good comment from Sean. Murray against the point of attack would be brutal. And you've got Millsap at the four. I mean, you could put Jay on Millsap. That's, uh, to me, that's a natural matchup there. Um, so who does Duncan guard? Who am I missing in their starting line? Morris isn't starting for them still, is he? I feel like that changed when... Uh, no, no, no. Okay. He, it would... I think we're having a bit of a lag on the feed. All right. Well, anyway, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, Morris came off the bench last game. Thank you, Manny. Thanks for joining us on Floor's Yours. 
Uh, we'll get this one up on the YouTube channel so you can check it out. Also check out Sixth Ring. They just did their episode tonight. Uh, we did a pregame show on the Dolphins called Yard Prep. Actually, the Dolphins game has just begun. So if you go on to check that out, Brady's back, but we're going to sign off. Check out Brady Hawk uh, 305. Visit 5reasonsports.com. Use the code FLOORPASS, FLOORPASS, and you will get 10% off on all our merchandise on the website. We'll be back tomorrow before and after Game 5. Thank you for listening.